0: Welcome to Monsters, Madness, and Magic! We would like to offer thanks to all you heretics and maniacs for your continued support and encourage you to visit our website at MonstersMadnessAndMagic.com to stay up to date on all the dark dealings within the Sanctuary of the Strange. We can also be found slithering our way into your nearest social media platforms. Be sure to follow Monsters, Madness and Magic on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram. If you enjoy the show and would like to unlock Patreon exclusive content, Consider subscribing at patreon.com forward slash monsters madness magic. Enjoy the show. Greetings, boils and goobles. This is your comrade, the crypt here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness,
1: Welcome to the Monsters Madness and Magic podcast. I am Justin, joined by my co-host, Daniel. Say hey, Daniel. Hey, Daniel. This evening, we're joined by a very special guest, the spearhead of the new age of sword and sorcery, the Duke of DMR, Mr. Ritzland. Dave, DM Ritzlin. how the hell are you? I'm pretty good. How are you right now? Doing good, all things considered. So I suppose the appropriate place to start here is going to be the beginning. Uh, What sort of... Films, fiction, television, board games, etc. Were you dev- devouring when You were a kid. What's your weird fiction origins?
2: Oh well, I, prob- I probably think it started all with uh, He
1: Man.
0: Yes! When- <laughs> oh yes, I knew I liked. It's you. over. It's over. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, He Man and also Thundercats, but uh, He Man was definitely the big one. That was uh, this way. I was obsessed when when I was a real little kid. Later on, you know, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and uh, then later I read the Elric stories by Michael Moorcock, and that's what uh, really got me into sword and sorcery fiction. Awesome. Well, what edition of D&D did you start on? It was a uh, second edition was the current one at uh, the time. That was <laughs> 1993.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry, just, it, it sounds like I'm hearing myself talk with somebody oh. <laughs> else's voice. I mean, I swear to God, this is just, yeah, just keep, I'm just chuckling.
1: <laughs> Do you remember the first time you gave writing a serious chance, Dave? Oh,
2: um, well, about 10 years ago, I gave, I wouldn't say it was a serious thing. I just, I wrote one story that was pretty short and kind of not that serious just to try my hand at it. And it was okay. And then I tried a second one and it, I didn't get very far before thinking it wasn't going anywhere. So I kind of uh, just gave up on it for a while. Then uh, um, later on, after I'd uh, started DMR books, and you know, I'd spent quite a bit of time editing other people's stories and analyzing them and stuff like that, I got a better idea of like story structure and just general writing. And I decided to give it another uh, another shot after being encouraged by uh, Howie Bentley, one of the DMR books authors, and uh, then. It just uh, we just went from there. I, I wrote some story after story, and uh, then uh, last year I had enough to uh, put out a whole collection of them.
1: That's awesome. And that's, so, oh, I didn't mean to yeah, interrupt. You. Sorry.
2: Yeah, that's uh, the the book is called Necromancy and Turia. That came out in uh, September of last year.
3: I was going to ask what like what was the impetus for you deciding to make your own book label Like, was it a whole wall of rejection letters stapled to your you know bedroom wall that you just got ticked off and decided to do it yourself or i mean was this like something you've been working on for a long time i'm just i'm i'm curious all right let me preface this with saying you are the like publisher If I were to be published, if any of my stuff ever got published, it's going to be in your publishing house because like you speak to me, everything about, I read phantom clad writer and that is like the coolest book I have read since I was a little kid. Uh, I I found your label through Byron Roberts. I'm a friend of his. And, uh, Mm. and then before a friend of his, I was a devout follower of his and his music. And so like I said, I was joking because my story is the same as you. I grew up with He-Man. It's all He-Man and Conan and all that. And so I just I yearn for that kind of the second edition just sword and sorcery stuff. But I don't know. There's a certain panache I like to have with. Don't get now. I say oh, that yeah. to say that your your publishing is fantastic. Like when I found it, it was an immediate bookmark. I bought the Karnov book. And now I'm just sitting here, I check for your updates on Facebook. You're one of the only people I actually follow, like, to get a <laughs> notification from because of this. So, back to my question, did you, like, was this an ongoing, like, a years-long goal for this, pub- to, to make DMR? Or was it just like a, hey, I'm publishing myself? Was it that kind of thing?
2: Uh, it's pretty much, yeah, I'm publishing myself. <laughs> um, I All had right. the idea for the, the first book, Swords of Steel which was an anthology of uh, fantasy stories written by members of heavy metal bands. And I came up with the idea and I thought, well, well let's, I'll just do it myself, why Why not? If no one else is gonna publish this, the kind of stuff I like, then I'll do it. Because for the past now 10, 20 years, not many people have been putting out the kind of sword and sorcery I like. You were and right when I you know, when I, I thought of people like Byron Roberts, who said that he's he'd written stories but never had them published, I thought, well, if nobody else is going to publish them, I'll do it.
3: I did brilliant. It just, yeah, there's really nothing else I could add to that. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I love that mentality. I love that mindset. It's that reason that I started a, a, a cassette label because of that. And so just to hear you say that you did it too. Yeah, it, I admire the hell out of that.
1: Oh, thank you. So Dave, do you ever, do you reach out to uh, some of the your favorite metal musicians who you feel may have some ability to write fiction. I think Jason Tarpey mentioned that uh, you asked him if he had written stories before. And uh, uh, yeah. compelled him to write one.
2: Yeah. Um, when I was uh, putting together the first Swords of Steel book, uh, since obviously I had just started and was unknown, I was just asking people who I thought would be interested or would be, you know, uh, people like Byron Roberts, who I knew had written stories or E.C. Hellwell from Manila road. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so I just, I just emailed people and said, Hey, this is what I want to do. What I'm putting together. Would you be interested And uh, enough of them, sa- uh, said yes and, uh, wrote stories, so there's a tab an actual
1: book. Well, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. I appreciate the cold email approach. Of course.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there's really not much other way to do it at that point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've read your short, the infernal bargain. I want to ask you, is that a standalone or are there more stories set within that world?
2: Well, all the stories, uh, the fantasy stories I've written are set in the same world, um, but most of them aren't don't, aren't really related to one another. There are some that have various recurring characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, in The Infernal Bargain, the main character is the barbarian, Avak Kerstorn, and there's a second short story about him, which I wrote, called Slave Girls for Sacrifice, and that was... Uh, that was published in Kursova magazine, and it's also included in my book Necromancy and Illusion. Oh, that that story was uh, um, I, I'd written that after watching a lot of uh, cheesy '80s uh, movies like uh, Beastmaster 2 and Sorceress. So that <laughs> yes. that has a, that that story has a, that kind of feel to it.
1: I really <laughs> enjoyed that story. Like one thing you gotta have when especially when you're in the short fiction medium or novella and you're writing epic fantasy or sword and sorcery whatever you want to use you have to have some cool action pretty quick you know for most people and i told this to jason tarby one of his moments in his novella is when he's uh he has his uh they're almost the equivalent of the spartans rowing against those uh sorcerous winds and i just told him that was a badass moment and in your story I was uh my badass moment, meter was going off when you have uh avoc- uh mounting the demon and pretty much forcing him to take him back home. So how did it? Oh yeah. How did that turn of the events come to you? Um, I don't really remember. <laughs> I just uh,
2: <laughs> some uh, you know sometimes I, I just, uh, just write things and ideas come to me and I don't really uh, have a you know a good idea of where they came from. They just kind of
1: appear in my mind. I will. You can't complain there. <laughs> yeah. So, what is there about another... a... Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Justin. I was just going to ask if there's another encounter in the future between uh, that main character and said demon. Uh, I don't have anything planned for
2: that now, but uh, it could be. Okay. I have I've uh, a brief outline for uh, a novel about Avok, who's uh, and he'll he'll be involved with fighting a lot of other demons, but not uh, the particular one from the Infernal Bargain. Gotcha. Go ahead,
1: Daniel. I'm sorry.
3: No, I was just going to ask. You're talking about what would inspire you, you know, movie-wise and stuff. What about music-wise? What What do you listen to to inspire? Is there anything in particular you like to listen to or any particular styles or just kind of grab whatever?
2: Well, uh, when I'm writing, I usually don't listen to music because it, it's either distracting or I'm not paying attention to it. So mm-hmm. I just, just silence is better for me for right. writing. Uh, mm-hmm. For getting ideas. Um, well, sometimes I'll put on like a dungeon synth bands like depressive silence or mortis and just sit back and uh and uh see if some ideas will pop up that way
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm sorry
3: i can't help it yeah i know i love mortis <laughs> mm-hmm. no that's just fit. i was gonna i suppose you ever heard saragost have you <laughs> what's that <laughs> oh no i'm big into dungeon synth i uh <laughs> i've been making that stuff for years and been in the scene too it's like my dream come true i actually opened for mortis last year right before oh, through, awesome. knocked everything out i uh i got to open for him in atlanta at the masquerade so yeah <laughs> i'm familiar with the dungeon synth i love it that is awesome that's the main thing i was just curious like you know, when writing, yeah, that stuff. If I do have anything on myself, I'll just like, cryo chamber. You know, like whenever you're specifically going to listen to music, I'm curious like what style particular that you go for? Are you more traditional heavy metal or do you go for something like earth or you know, really go out there and go for like flesh god or demon music proclivity? Uh,
2: mostly I like German power metal and melodic speed metal. Bands <laughs> nice. like you know, Gamma Ray, Halloween, Blind Guardian, Running Wild, that sort of thing.
3: Sweet. And also I
2: love Manowar.
3: Who doesn't?
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people, you'd be surprised how many posers there are out there who claim to be in the metal, but, but don't like Manowar. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's very frustrating to deal with them.
3: And eh, just don't worry. Just move on. They'll suffer. You won't. It's fine.
1: <laughs> Dave, you're a publisher, and uh, I just got to ask if you've noticed personally, you think there's been an increase in pulp works in general in the last, say, five to ten years?
2: Uh, five years the past 5 years yeah i definitely say there's been a lot more uh, of that sort of thing going on what well, what would you say the reason for that is what would you think the reason for um um i don't really know i just uh, think people are uh, fed up with the like the stuff that you know mainstream publishers are putting out yes. and so they're turning to uh, the old ways which were
1: more entertaining right agreed now do you have a personal preference when it comes to say your classic sword and sorcery code, tale or say a horror story like you know like a lovecraftian horror.
2: um i'm not a huge horror fan there's enough horror and sword and sorcery to get my fix that Mm -hmm. way right so i I definitely uh prefer robert e howard over h.p lovecraft
1: yeah you know i say a similar thing when this comes up just because uh howard and lovecraft though robert howard's lovecraftian stuff is equally as lovecraft as lovecraft but i would rather punch the monster in the face rather than you know go mad and cry about it. so i've always oh, yeah, related definitely. i've always related to that a bit more <laughs> yeah me too
3: do you uh also think now with the the rise of the pulp if there's like no real clear zeitgeist or like a traceable path, because there has been a resurgence in metal as it were, and not really not the polished. But I mean, that's ultimately it is I do agree with you. People are tired of the polish. It's they're tired of the, the same old by the numbers, call of duty, Madden, Marvel movies every year. Don't get me wrong. I love cap, but it's still the same thing. Whereas, you know, there's, there's a thrill, there's an excitement whenever you find something in the underground. And I mean, is it that, or do you think it's just people also want to try publishing and it's become a lot easier for them as well? I mean, you think that could be it or?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, all of the above, I think everything you said could be part of it. And it's, um, it's interesting. Cause I didn't even think about it you just said it, Daniel, but Yeah, like the rise of traditional heavy metal almost coincides with the the rise of the interest in Pulp magazine.
3: I I think it's a nostalgia thing. Like Dave hit on it before, you know, He-Man. We grew up with this stuff. Well, now we not only – we're not really the jet set, but we are the jet set with the expendable income. (laughs) And uh, so – You know, now we get to call the shots, whereas before, as the jet set, we call the shots because you know the people our age wanted to get our money back. Man, we'll see now we're the ones who are you know going into the August of our life, and now we're the ones that get to establish tropes, certain guidelines. You know, because well, like. Twenty years ago, hell, even ten years ago, you'd never read a story or watch a movie where, like, the main character would would be like the dude, the ass whooper, would be in his fifties, you right. know. But nowadays, it's like that's not a big deal. Fifty is the new thirty, honestly. And you know that if you follow what I mean, it's like we now get to set and change the paradigm. So I mean, because I grew up with second edition, those are like the co- damn box arts ever. And, so, and I mean, we're forget the elephant in the room, Nintendo. And so you got that badass box art like, Deadly Towers, the shittiest game in the history of mankind, but also concurrently has the coolest cover of a video game in the history of mankind. And Actually, that's you. Your DMR is the de- – not the shitty content, but the artwork – DMR is like the deadly towers, man. Cause whenever I look at your covers, it's like, Holy shit. It looks like that game that makes me want to play deadly towers again until I remember like I'm rambling on continue, Justin, <laughs> but that was just my look. I just had to sit there and think about it. Cause the reason I did that is I clicked on your link uh, on the DMR site and it takes you over to Goodman games. Well, they're, you know, I mean, they did the, uh, the DCC dungeon crawl classic that I love. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Goodman. But, with them doing that and they have really embraced that late 70s watercolor shagging wagon you know yeah. reverbed out guitar heavy metal style and as it's just curious to like to try to trade Anyway, please continue justin
1: what is the relationship how did was how did the relationship start between goodman and dmr uh basically uh i put
2: their an ad uh, for them on my website and they put ads for dmr books in their magazine tales from the magician's skull um you know since we're both into sword and sorcery we're supporting each other that's right. uh, pretty much all there is to it
1: exactly uh, do you guys have a a singular artist that works on our, all the covers uh no i've got a few
2: different ones uh the main one is brian leblanc who's uh got a very frank rosetta type of style
0: oh yeah
2: and uh he's done uh quite a few over the past year year or so including uh uh renegade swords the the anthology that had stories by Robert E. Howard, Clark Ashen Smith, and a lot of other uh, well-known uh, sword and sorcery authors. And uh, actually today we just announced uh, the, the sequel, Renegade Swords 2, which has, uh, which will have uh, two stories by Michael Moorcock.
1: Wow.
2: And that's got a, another Brian LeBlanc
1: cover. Awesome. Now you've collected uh, quite a, some a, an impressive list of musicians on DMR. Do you have any white whales out there that you're still trying to pull in?
2: Well, there are a few that I'd love to have, but I, I don't think they're going to happen. You know, people like Bruce Dickinson or oh, Steve yeah. Harris. Well, I
3: they're mean, not going to know if you don't say it, so go ahead
2: and say That it. email. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of them is uh, Hansi Kirsch from Blind Guardian, but he does know about it because uh, the uh, the last time Blind Guardian played Chicago, I I, uh, I, uh, I get, had a copy of of Steel and I put a letter in it and I threw it to him while they were on stage taking their bows at the end of the show,
0: oh, and that's
2: awesome. yeah, th- I didn't hear from him. So a year later, they were playing Milwaukee. I drove up there with some friends and then waited after the show and, and met them outside. I talked to him in person. He was mm. happy the, sec- the second book, and he said he remembered the first one. Um, and I asked him if he'd be interested in writing a story. He, he he was too much of a gentleman to say no way, but
1: he was he, he uh, declined so giving time. So, um, yeah. He'll <laughs> come around. You never know. He might come <laughs> around someday. So to date, what would you say is the best writing advice that you've
2: received? Um, I haven't really gotten a lot of uh, advice other than just, just keep doing it. And, uh, you know, the more you write, the, the easier it gets. That's what I've noticed. Nice. For when I first started, it was, it was like a real struggle just to write. Just, you know, I could take, I don't know, an, an hour to write a couple paragraphs. I, at, the, at first, I had the yet. Uh, in my mind is like i had to make every sentence a masterpiece and for one thing that's not going to happen and secondly it's not necessarily necessary so uh so now i, I just uh, things go a lot faster than i write now
3: what about the actual publishing how tough was that like the physical well, publishing
2: um well when i uh, i first had the idea for source of steel that was like in early 2014 and the book came out about a year later so uh, most of that year was spent not just contacting the bands, but also you know doing research on what it would take to to print a book and how to format it and,
3: right.
2: and costs and everything. So, um, so I spent a lot of time doing that. And by the time all the stories were ready, then I was ready to you know print them up. Yeah. These days, I most I mostly do it a print on demand, which makes things much
3: much easier. Yeah. Okay. That was going to be my next question. If you actually fronted the cost, like for your first prints and stuff, which probably, but if, you know, if you went to the more print on demand stuff now, or how you actually did that, needless to say, I'm thinking of I would love to get some of my works, you know, finalized and ready for print and stuff. And again, I'm just kind of curious as to how to go about it. whether, you know, do physical or just take the piss and do it only Kindle or print on demand. Just curious because as a parent, I have no clue. But uh figured I'd ask I'd say, someone who knows.
2: Yeah, I'd say for if you're starting out, print on demand is definitely the way to go. It just makes it a lot easier when you don't have boxes of books right. stamped up that you have to get rid of.
3: Something. Right. <laughs>
2: And you don't have to pay all those costs up front. I'm almost out of the first source of Steel, but I still got hundreds of copies of Swords of Steel. So I don't know how I'm going to get rid of those, but well, I was, one day.
3: Yeah, you know. I saw uh, I saw your Swords of Steel omnibus. I'm a, I am love the omnibuy, the And uh, so I just saw that one on Amazon. But yeah, I'm going to have to. Okay, cool. Yeah, i was sorry to jump in, Justin. I wanted to, since he was going, I wanted to go on and take you down another road. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Wait a minute. You there? Oh no, is Mike's dude? Oh, fine. Well then, you're stuck with me. So, what's your He-Man story, Dave? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have a He-Man
2: story. I just I don't really remember much back when I was like that young. I, was, I must have just turned on the TV one day and the He-Man was on. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. <laughs>
3: and then
2: for the next few years, I, just, I wanted to be He-Man.
3: Yeah, that was that was my uh, like growing up. You know how you always have like those major things that you just latch on. That was me as a kid. It was He-Man and Conan and then Transformers. And then, you know, you fast forward and well, here I am <laughs> making oh. Dungeon <laughs> Synth and playing Look, Dungeons and Dragons are. and stuff. Yeah. Let's say here we, well, I, no, don't include me in there with you. You're successful.
2: Oh. Uh, oh. You know,
3: <laughs> here I am. And uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> that's why I was, and just got to laugh with so hard because, uh, Justin had called me like whenever I was uh, he calls me the Conan carpenter with the some of my dungeons because it ends up sounding either like something from Conan or something out of a John carpenter and oh nice, and, but that's just why I was joking when he said dungeon center than mortis <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can relate because he used to sit around and write my D&D adventures listening to crypt of the wizard. Oh nice. <laughs> What's the name of your dungeon? Uh, you don't it's my main one's Saragost.
2: Okay. I'll and, check them out
3: well, I appreciate it. I mean, it's that's nice. If you like, apparently I feel like normally I'm not quite so bullshitty with like, yeah, you want to kick out my band. However, if somebody mentions all of these bullet points, just checks it off the list. It's like, well, hell. So yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> all right. I'm back. So Dave, what are some recent albums or some recent bands that you've been spinning lately? Oh, well,
2: as, uh, I don't listen to a lot of uh, recent releases in bands. Uh, over the past few days, I've been listening to like a lot of old In Flames and Dawnbringer. Um, but for newer bands, uh, uh, I was listening to the Ice Sword album. Uh, they only had one album and they already broke up, but it's a it's a good one and it's pretty original. Um, the the singer had a story in Source of Steel three. Uh, I asked him back when they just had a demo, and I thought that was impressive enough. The album came out, and it's even better. I hope they uh get that together and put out another one.
1: What's it called? Uh The name of the band is Ice Lord. Ice Lord. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Ice, Ice so. Sword. Oh, gotcha. Ice Sword. Gotcha. Yeah. Let me write it down. Well,
3: let's see. Album's called Dragon Magic, and they're standing there with swords and bullet belts. And, uh yeah, okay. Sold. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Intrigued. I'll listen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you said you're not a big horror fan, but what are your favorite films in general? If I put a gun to your head and said, tell me some of your favorite movies, what are you saying? Well, obviously I have
2: to go with Conan the Barbarian. Ah, Um,
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, Also, uh, I really like this is final tap. Um, (laughs) uh, Cemetery man. That's uh, probably one of my favorite horror movies.
3: Dang.
2: Um, Eric, the Viking is another good one. Uh, The first Highlander.
1: Mm.
2: A lot of stuff from the, from the,
1: uh, the 80s and 90s. So now, what are you eating when you're watching these? Uh, when you're watching these movies, what's your favorite movie snack?
2: Oh, uh, I don't really
1: snack while watching watching them. So, Just A glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just us. Now.
3: Oh man, what? Well, somebody's resolute and stoic. <laughs> okay, I mean, my, hell, it's like Fat Tuesday every night, right before I go to bed. Find whatever movie I'm gonna watch and get my, what I call my fatkin snacks because I can't have sugar. Jesus, mm. you're an oak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dave, do you have any go-to uh, authors or short stories that are your personal favorites when you just want to, just like a warm blanket, you know, when you just want to read something that you enjoy? What are you going to?
2: Uh, that'd be Clark Ashton
1: Smith. He's definitely
2: my favorite author as
1: far as my own writing, and nice. his, uh, he,
2: he pretty much only wrote short stories, so. So if I'm in the mood for you know you know, something I just want to read in one sitting that's mm-hmm. really good, then I'll pick one of his like uh the Enchant- the enchantress of Silair. That's one of my favorites, or the uh the Dark Idol on.
1: Those are great. Yeah. Clark Ashton Smith's one of my favorites too. If I ever wanna get a spark plug up my ass to start writing, I just read a paragraph of Clark Ashton Smith and I'm like, Well, better get on the ball. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Frank Brown app long to and Robert block. I don't know. It's just I'm not I'm clearly not here to shit on HP Lovecraft, but out of the Lovecraftian circle, I think I branch out into the other authors more. <laughs> oh, what's, yeah.
3: What's the saying? The first wave crashes. The second wave's always bigger. I yeah. mean, it's I get it. It's I'm the same way like you know is what Lovecraft started is his style approach but yeah I mean it's old it gets kind of boring but I love like the second wave who were really inspired by him or I mean quite honestly I like Robert Howard I like what he took Lovecraft's ideas and then put them in the sword and sandal stuff mm-hmm. see I, I love that Uh, personally and i liked his approach a little bit but even he because it was a different it's just a different era back then it's like not apologizing for my granddad because he uses certain horrible words not that kind of different era but like back then you know they just the writing style was different whereas Mm -hmm. you know that second wave or even third wave of writers get a lot more action pat case in point r.a Salvatore, like he is some people even shit on his writing style. He is one of the most compelling authors for an action that I have ever read right up until I read Karnov, But before oh. then, R.A. Salvatore was like, like, he's the man when he comes the way he can write like his style. So, I mean, I agree with y'all as far as that with, you know, Lovecraft. I like what he built. But I mean I kinda prefer the later style. My there's some that we put it this way, after I read Carnob, I immediately went and started writing music. I was so inspired. So sometimes you just find the stuff that really kickstarts your imagination. You gotta hurry up and run and do whatever it is that you do to get that that spark of creativity out.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I just said yeah, what you
2: said is a good idea to uh when you get the when the inspiration then you know, it's right when the iron's
1: hot. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh... Lovecraft is just more, his his uh, phrasing is just more cold and grave-like, and then you read somebody like Clark, Clark Ashton Smith or Robert Howard, and it's a bit more dancy, a bit more action-pad, and I think that's just where the difference is. Whatever I'm in the mood for, really. Not that yeah. I don't like H.P. Lovecraft, but it's like, you know, sometimes I want a sword in the face.
0: <laughs> <Girl>.
1: <laughs> well, Daniel, if you don't have anything else for Dave, I don't, I don't I think mean, I'm going to keep can- him hustling.
3: I could seriously talk all day and night and it would honestly just be me talking probably about sword and sorcery, fantasy, heavy metal, death metal, any kind of music, whatever. Just I feel like you're the friend that I had that you never knew that you had that like we're brothers just one of those <laughs> no seriously actually i was looking it up we are i was like i know this dude i know his name i know this guy and yeah sure damn enough we are friends on facebook don't be a stranger dude if you ever just want to rattle on incessantly about ask a couple because he might even be listening jacob if you're listening to this or even john both of you know who you are because I'll sit there and just ramble on incessantly on Facebook message about the stupidest shit. So, yeah, if you want to be included in that, Dave, you are more than welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, no, I'm done with him for now, Justin.
1: All right. So, Dave, will not you just tell us what you have on the horizon yourself, writing-wise, or DMR. Where can folks find DMR Books?
2: Uh, well, the website is dmrbooks.com, and I'm also on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at DMR Books. Um, as far as my own writing, uh, I'm in the middle of uh, writing a novel. It uh, doesn't have a title yet, but it's uh, about a character named Bran the Chaos Warped, who's uh, was in one of the short stories in Necromancy and Nils And he's uh, hunting down an evil wizard, and he Hunt goes through various dimensions. So
1: that's all I'll say about it right now. Awesome. And what about DMR? you guys uh, putting out another collection anytime soon? Anything on the horizon? Uh, my goal this year is
2: to put out a book every month.
1: oh okay. And
2: uh, yeah, last year I put out nine, and the year before that I had eight. So uh, I think um, I can do it. Uh, I've got stuff planned up till August, and so I have four months left for the rest of the year. And by then, I think I'll have something planned for, for then. Uh, the the next one is, as I mentioned earlier, is Renegade Source Two, which is stories by Michael Morcock, uh, Robert E. Howard, uh, Carl Edward Wagner. And David Drake and Keith Taylor and a few others. That'll be out in the beginning of March. Uh, the April release is called "Worlds Beyond Worlds" by uh, an author named John Fall, and he's got a kind of style similar to Clark Ashton Smith. Um, then in May, where Byron Roberts will have uh, his uh, second book, uh, "Chronicles of Caitlin Torr." 2.
3: Oh hell so yeah! You,
2: yeah. So if you like the first one, then
1: there's going to be more
3: coming soon. Dude. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right, Dave. Well, we're not going to hold your hostage any longer. It's been great chatting with you. And, uh, oh, thank you very much for this interview.
3: No, dude, thank you. It, seriously, it's, like I said, you're the publishing house. You are the, you're always welcome. Anytime. It, it, just pick a book and come on here and let's talk about it. It's
0: like, <laughs> okay, how great. furry
3: is the underwear? How cool are the bangs <laughs> in the hair? Like, how <laughs> half-naked is the chick with the sword? Whatever you want to talk about. How heavy is the metal? whatever you are always welcome to chat with i'll sit here and talk into a microphone and pretend we're even recording if you just want to talk about it but yeah <laughs> you're always welcome awesome all right Dave, you should come up in... to chicago one day buddy yeah. if i'm ever there i will look you up
2: yes when uh, whenever the COVID is dealt with they're going to have another allegiance of metal
3: festival you come up for that you need I was that could you get me in on that you know who sets that thing up i'll sit there and play i'm i can do it Hell, I'll call my buddy Davey who crossed the border with Saragossa and right thrown right there on the stage. I'll give a shit. Well,
2: well, it's a metal festival night,
3: so they wouldn't have Dungeons. But I would you really right need there. to <laughs> – you really ought to listen to what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, well, I, people I don't, keep people keep saying I, this Dungeon Synth that I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> no, that's cool, dude. If I'm ever up in Chicago, I certainly will look you up. I would love – to go hit up a metal festival okay
1: cool (laughs) it's been good talking with you today we will definitely be in touch i'll uh shoot you a message when this goes up okay great thanks all right you have a good night man
2: yeah man take it easy
1: dude see you guys later
3: all right man bye-bye bye